Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hello and welcome to the Compared Who podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore and I am so glad that you're listening today because today we're going to talk about a really important topic. We're going to talk about anxiety. So many of us struggle with it, whether it's occasionally or daily. We know that feeling of fear that overwhelms us and prompts us to ask all those what if questions. Well, my guest today knows about anxiety from both the clinical and the personal side. She's a board certified clinical neuropsychologist with more than 20 years of experience in the diagnosis and treatment of medical and mental disorders in children, adults, and seniors. She's also a speaker, author of three books, including the recently released Breaking Anxiety's Grip, She's a wife, she's a mom, and she's someone who's had more than her fair share of life's trials and scares. Dr. Michelle Bankston, I am so glad that you're here. Welcome to the Compared to You podcast. Thanks, Heather. Delighted to be here with you. Well, I'm really looking forward to kind of digging into talking about anxiety and fear with you today because I know that's something that so many of my listeners and myself personally, we've struggled with. But before we do that, would you mind telling us just a little bit more about yourself and about your family? Yes. I've been a clinical neuropsychologist for almost 30 years, which means that I've had the opportunity and blessing to work with patients who come in struggling with any kind of neurological or brain disorder. So that can range from stroke or concussion or dementia to depression and anxiety. And over the years in my career, I've seen thousands of people who struggle with depression and anxiety. And this is an area where I'm really passionate about because I want people to know that there is help, hope, and healing. But the better part, the more fun part of my role is being wife of 32 years and mom to two young men who are growing up and realizing what God has for them. That's awesome. I love that. Well, you and I go back a couple years to uh, very early in our writing journey. Actually, I've known Michelle, whom I think everyone else calls you Dr. B, right? I've only known you as Michelle. I didn't know. Oh, you were a neuropsychologist <laughs> sitting beside me. Writer's critique group. Exactly. So, so we, we go back a couple years, and I remember getting to read uh, Hope Prevails, Michelle's first book about depression. I remember getting to see that in really early stages, and that's a great book, too, if depression is something any of you listeners have ever struggled with. Go get that book right now. Don't, don't wait another second. But I also know Michelle that you have kind of 
had your own journey in this whole world of body image and comparison, that you have some stories there. You shared one of them on my blog. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind telling us just a little bit about your journey there. I would. No, that started for me when I was very young. At three years of age, I was very ill and had a fever of about 107. And doctors were concerned that if my parents didn't get that fever down, that I would die. And so they tried everything that they could do that the doctors told them to do, ice baths and alcohol rubs, and nothing worked. And doctors were concerned that if I did live, I would have brain damage as a result of the fever. So they told my parents to give me aspirin, not knowing that I was deathly allergic to aspirin. Mm. So when my parents gave that to me, then doctors were very concerned that the aspirin itself would kill me. And if it didn't, that I would end up being mentally incapacitated and have physical deformity. And to this day, I do have physical deformity in one of my legs and my right foot. And that foot is now about half the size of my left foot. And so that has been something that I've dealt with growing up, my childhood years, and kids can be cruel. Mm -hmm. We'll say the most honest things not even necessarily intending to be cruel, although there are those out there. And that was just a point for me that I always compared myself to my able-bodied peers because I wanted to be like them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be considered pretty and whole. And I wanted a normal pair of shoes. We don't go shoe shopping for me. We go shoe hunting because <laughs> it's so hard to find a pair of shoes that the designers make in a woman's size as well as a little girl's size. And so that has always been something that has brought me to tears just about every time I wear a pair of shoes out. And that was part of the story that I shared on your blog because I went to a bucket list party. I'd never heard of that before, but I went uh -huh. to this party and we were supposed to write down things on our bucket list. And one of the big things on my bucket list was to have a pretty normal pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. And I'm still waiting for that pair of shoes. Oh. <laughs> We're going to find you a good Italian shoemaker who can make that happen for you, Michelle. <laughs> oh, well, can you tell me how God has worked to heal you in those areas? Like how has God spoken to you personally to touch you in, in those, you know, tender parts, those parts that we try to protect, right? Because, you know, those, it's hard to be open and honest about things that we've been insecure about for a long time. So how has God worked in your life and in your heart to minister to you in this area? You know, as a part of being different and feeling different from my peers, I always strove to overcome that. Mm -hmm. So I excelled in school. I couldn't excel in sports because of the deformity, but I would excel in school. And so I'd always be the one to get the straight A's and, you know, think that an A wasn't enough. It had to be an A plus. And that really set up a real bad paradigm for me because for the rest of my life, then I always worked hard to be that overachiever. And I kept thinking that somehow if I just did more, if I worked harder, if I worked longer hours, then God would love me. Hmm. And I came to a point in my middle adult years where I was working so hard. I was working a hundred hours a week and I'd be at my private practice until midnight. I'd come home, take a shower, take a couple hour nap, and then I'd be back at the office by three or four o'clock in the morning. Wow. And went on and on and on. And it, um, it continued longer than it should have when my husband was diagnosed with cancer, because then I just jumped in and did more because he was unable to do. Mm -hmm. And I worked myself 
into the ground to the point where I was so physically ill, I couldn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. I was on bed rest for five months. I went from 113 pounds down to a skeletal 74 pounds, wow. 30 pounds lighter than I am today, and had to be on bed rest for five months and kept alive on IV hydration and nutrition. And during that time, I found my worth really lacking because I thought, well, I can't be the doctor anymore. So mm-hmm. what good am I? Mm-hmm. And God finally brought me to a place where he said, you know, Michelle, it doesn't matter what you do. I love you because you're mm-hmm. mine. And if you never work another day in your life, I'm not going to love you any less. Mm-hmm. And if you continue working yourself these crazy hours, I'm not going to love you anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was such a paradigm shift for me. And it helped bring me out of that type A driven mentality to recognize that I wasn't really helping anyone to the best of my ability when I was working so hard that I wasn't giving the best of myself to my family, to my children, to my employees. And so it changed a whole lot because then I went, when I finally got well and could go back to work, I moderated my hours. I started observing the Sabbath and what a paradigm shift to recognize that I'm not loved because of what I look like, because Mm -hmm. how smart I am, because of how hard I work. I'm loved because I'm his. Wow. That is so good. And I mean, it's so true. It's that, it's that one central question of identity, isn't it? I mean, I feel like that's, that's the, that's the thing that even in my life, like God keeps taking me back to, it's like, whose are you? (laughs) Where are you going to find your value? I mean, and I'm sure in your practice, that's probably something that comes up a lot, isn't it? Just helping people navigate where is your identity found? What is, what does that look like for you just in private practice, seeing that and helping others? What I found when I was so sick, then that's when I went into the pit of depression. And I had been raised by a depressed mother the entire time I was in the house. Her sister was depressed. Her mother was depressed. So I have a lineage of depression, but I had not experienced it so severely until I became so sick. Hmm. And that really helped me in an odd way because I was doing all the things I had told my patients to do. I went into counseling. I tried medication. I made sure I was eating right. I made sure I was getting exercise and rest. And it wasn't enough to take the depression away. Mm -hmm. So I cried out to God and said, you know, if this is what my life is going to be like, I'm not sure I want to live. And then I cried out to him and said, and obviously I don't have all the answers. I thought I had all the answers, but something is missing. And I've never heard the audible voice of God, Mm -hmm. but it was just a knowing. It was like God was saying, as long as you don't look at the spiritual roots of disease, it is like you're putting a Band-Aid on an infection and hoping it gets well. The light bulb went off because I had been addressing the physical and the cognitive and the emotional, but not the spiritual side of depression. I didn't realize there was one. Hey there. How much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. 
But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus's offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. God took me to John 10, 10 that says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And when it comes to depression, the thief steals our joy. Mm-hmm. He kills our peace and he attempts to destroy our identity. Mm-hmm. And that identity issue is the biggest issue that walks into my private practice because people are trying to be who they think they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm or they're trying to be what they admire in other people, instead of really understanding God created them the way they were and thought that was perfect for them. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge eye-opener for my patients to understand and receive that, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be like their brother or their sister or their best friend or the person that they emulate in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Create them to be like anyone but themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. I mean, I almost feel embarrassed when I share this, but it's the way God spoke to me when one day he said, hey, I didn't create you to look like a Victoria's Secret model because I didn't have any modeling in mind for you. (laughs) And it's like, oh, well, yeah, the pressure's off. I mean, God has given us physically everything we need to accomplish his purpose in our lives. It's a paradigm shift. It really is because all of those messages in our culture are are telling us otherwise. You need to be this. You need to do this. You need to look like this. But boy, if you can settle that question of identity, that's really good. You know, as you talk about all the time, comparison is so huge. Comparison breeds worry and fear and anxiety because it takes our focus off God and what he is doing in us and through us and for us and puts our focus on what he's doing in and through and for other people. Mm -hmm. Stimulates that anxiety. But when we can realize that God created us the way he wanted us and he called it good. Mm -hmm we would stop that comparison game and live in and accept that God delights in us, he sings over us, Mm -hmm. that can give us a position of living from peace instead of striving for peace and living from a place of anxiety. I love that. And there's so much freedom when you can get there, isn't there? So much freedom. Oh my goodness, so much. Well, I loved your book. And I, you sent me a soft copy. So I got to go through it before it actually was released. And then I got my hard copy in the mail and my husband promptly stole it. <laughs> so I've, I've had a hard time getting it back. I love that. I love <laughs> so, that men are reading this book yeah, too. Yes. And, you know, and, and several times over and again, he said, hey, your friend's book, that's really helping me. <laughs> so... He doesn't listen to my podcast, so don't, don't mention to him that I, I've added him uh, publicly. But no, it's it's a tremendous book. It's helped me. It's helping him. I can't wait um, to share some of your principles in there with our kids, too, because we've got some anxiety struggles there. But one quote that stuck out to me, which 
I like to talk a lot about our thought life because I think a lot of body image and comparison issues aren't external issues. They're what happens in our heads and our hearts, right? But you said this, you said, when we don't address anxiety appropriately, it expands to fill the territory we give it, including our thoughts. And I thought, oh, that's so true. You know, just a little bit of anxiety <sighs> mushrooms up. Can you talk about that a little bit? What, what else did you mean by that? Absolutely. You know, I see it so often in my patients, but also in friends and family members. In that respect, I love anxiety, worry, and fear together. Hmm. And it's, you know, it's like you've never met somebody who's agoraphobic, meaning that they're afraid to leave their home. You've never met someone who just woke up one day and they were agoraphobic. It usually starts with something minute, like they had three seconds of turbulence on an airplane hmm. and instilled fear. But then it expands. If they don't address it and recognize, I'm safe, God kept me safe, it's going to be okay. If they don't look at what their thoughts are about that frightening situation, then it expands. And the next thing you know, they're afraid of all public transportation. Then they're afraid of driving on highways. Then they're afraid of driving outside their neighborhood. And then they end up afraid to leave their own home. And that is how fear works in our life. If we don't address it, what happens is we tend to avoid it. And by avoiding whatever that is that creates worry, fear, and anxiety, it works to take it away temporarily. But because we've given it that power, it will expand and we'll then become anxious and worried and afraid of more and more things because we never addressed what it was that was making us anxious or worried to begin with. Hmm. And so that shift has to happen in our thought life. We've got to be willing to talk back to anxiety and mm -hmm. say, you don't rule me. Mm -hmm. The God of the universe promised that he would be with me. He'd never forsake me. He would fight for me, that his grace is sufficient for me. He promises to be my provider. And largely that happens by choosing where our focus is. Another thing that I address in the book is you can choose to focus on the facts or you can choose to focus on truth. And an example of that is when I was driving with my husband to go see his oncologist. My husband's had cancer three times and we were on the way to see his doctor when I got the call that nobody wants to hear. And in that call, my doctor said, Dr. Bankson, I hate to tell you this, but you've got cancer and we need to schedule surgery. And I thought, no, she's got the wrong person. Mm -hmm. But then all of the what ifs started coming in. What do you mean? What, what, what if this is not treatable? And what if the surgery doesn't take care of it? And what if I have to go through chemotherapy? And then I realized in a split second, Michelle, you've got to decide right now, either to go down that path of worry, fear, and anxiety and focus on the fact, which is you've been given a diagnosis of cancer, or you need to say no to worry, fear, and anxiety and focus on the truth, which is even if I have this diagnosis, God still heals today. He's still in the miracle making business and he will be with me. This did not take him by surprise and he already knows how he's going to handle it. Mm. So in that split second, I decided not to focus on the facts, but to focus on his truth. And when we focus on his truth, then we can live from a place of peace not from a place of anxiety. I like that. And I like that a lot. And I know you in your book, I mean, goodness, girl, you've had you've had 
big things in your face, like oh, cancer yeah. and your husband's cancer. And there's lots of other things. I mean, the great thing about your book is it's not just clinical advice or biblical advice from a clinical perspective. I mean, you've got, you've lived this. You've got your real stories throughout this book, sharing the many different ways that you've had to come eyeball to eyeball with anxiety and make a decision as to whether or not you were going to go down its road or if you're going to go another direction. And I love how, and I'm probably going to butcher the illustration you used, but and you're talking about how like the what if starts so small. You know, it can be, what if I don't have time to vacuum before guests come over? And then what if they think I'm a bad housekeeper? And then it spirals into, what if I don't have any friends because no one ever wants to come to my house? And I think my listeners, especially, I think when we have body image issues, we kind of tend to do the same thing. Like, well, what if I don't look nice today? What if, what if no one wants to talk to me because I don't look a certain way? And it just spirals. So what is your best advice for how do you stop the spiral? When it starts going, what, what do you do to stop the spiral? You talk back, but what specifically would be your recommendation? How do you stop been bogging you down for too long, it's time to get free. My friend, go to comparejahoo.me, take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparejahoo.me. There's lots of great resources on that site, articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today. Right after this episode, of course. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening, who should call right now? Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. When you notice that you're going down what if, and for me, when I recognize that I'm asking those what if questions, that's a huge signal. I've just opened the door to worry, fear, and anxiety. Instead of asking what if, which is based in anxiety, I turn it and I say, God, what do you want to teach me Hmm. in the situation? Because then it puts the power back in God's hands instead of that what if, which comes from the enemy of our soul. Hmm. So I want to close the door on that what if and say, okay, God, you're going to handle this. But in the meantime, what is it you want me to learn? How do you want me to go through this? And that's such a huge paradigm shift because it then takes the power away from the enemy and gives it back to the God of the universe who already knows how he's going to use this situation. And then I'll go one step further and I'll say, Lord, show me how you're going to use this to work all things together for my good. Because 
we will go through difficult times. Jesus said we would. But his word also promises that he uses everything for our good and for his glory. Not always the way we want, not always in the timing we want, mm-hmm. but if we will trust him, we will see it. I see good now that came out of that period of depression because now I'm a lot able to come alongside people from a point of truly connecting and understanding because I went through it. Did I like it when I went through it? Absolutely not. And I'd never want to go through it again. But now I'm grateful because God is using it for good. But it didn't happen right away. Mm -hmm. So we have to be willing to say, Lord, I trust you even when I don't see. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of trusting God's character even when you don't see his hand at work. When we are worried about things, we want to see God do something right now the way we want it, when we want it. And really what we need to do is say, no matter how long it takes, I'm going to fall back on God's character. He is good. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He works all things together for good. So if we will focus on his character, instead of being impatient and wanting things our way, it lets us live from a place of peace. That's good. That's so good. Well, let's can we jump back to depression for a second? Because I feel like, so that's Michelle's or Dr. Bangston's first book, Hope Prevails, and then your Bible study book on depression as well, also called Hope Prevails Bible Study, I believe. A lot of women who struggle with body image and comparison issues do find themselves slipping into depression. What would be your hope and encouragement for them? How can they start to climb their way out? I think whether we are talking about depression or anxiety, or discouragement, or doubt, it all goes back to being mindful of the thoughts that we're having, Mm -hmm. and then assessing them to see where those thoughts are coming from, and do they line up with God's word? When I was so depressed, and I was trying everything I would normally tell my patients to do, and it wasn't getting better, I remember thinking and even saying out loud, I must just be joy immune Mm -hmm. looking around at all these other people and they seem so joyful. And it felt like nothing I was trying was getting me out of the hole. And so I must just be joy immune. Mm -hmm. And I believed that lie for quite a while until finally it was like the Holy spirit got my attention and said, that's not what my word says. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? And so I had to go to scripture to find out what was you talking about? And God's word says, though weeping may last for a night, Hmm. my joy comes in the morning. And so it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, as long as that is my word and I promise my joy comes in the morning, you cannot be joy immune. Hmm. And that started a shift for me when I started recognizing these thoughts that were lies. You're unworthy. People won't respect you anymore. Then I had to go back to God's word. Well, first of all, I am worthy Because our worth is based on the price that we're willing to pay for something. Mm -hmm. So whether we're talking about a meal at a restaurant, your car, your house, the value of something is determined by what you're willing to pay for it. So whether we're talking about a meal at a restaurant, the car that you drive, the home that you live in, the worth of that is determined by what you're willing to pay for it. And when I was in that pit of depression, and thinking, I'm, what good am I? What worth do I have if I can't be that doctor? God settled that issue for me because he said, Michelle, my son determined your worth when he said you were so worth it that he was willing to die for you. 
And that is the same for you, Heather, and the same for your listeners. Jesus died for us. So he says we were worth it. So nobody else ever before or since has ever sacrificed that much to show us how worth we are, what our worth is. And so Jesus is the only one who gets to tell us what our worth is. And he said, you were so worth it. I died for you. That's how much I love you. And that for me helped settle that issue. I have to come back to that when I start to compare myself to other people. But I think that levels the playing field because he died for me. He died for you. He died for your listeners. We're all on the same playing field. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's good. You know, the other thing I always think of is there's a verse in Corinthians where Paul says he doesn't even care what he thinks. Because I think sometimes we elevate our thoughts about ourselves over God's thoughts about ourselves. And it's, it's, I mean, it sounds silly to say, right? Like, well, what I think of me is more important than what God thinks of me. But how many times do we do that, right? Like, you know, it's the whole, like our kids, you know, well, I know you love me, mom. You have to love me. <laughs> you know, that kind of, right. you have to say I'm cute or whatever. You know, it's so true. It's like, we're not supposed to elevate what we think of ourselves or what we think our worth is, what we think our value is over what God's says about us, right? Like we don't have a right to decide we're not valuable. God already told us we are. So I think that that's really good. Well, I know you have a passion for seeing women set free from depression, filled with hope, set free from anxiety's grip. And so I am hopeful that if, if depression or anxiety or fear, or any of those things are, are things that you've struggled with as you're listening today, I'm hopeful that you will go, go online, go to amazon.com, christianbook.com, probably your website too, um, has all the links and find Dr. B's books. I will put all the links in the show notes. You can get her name spelled correctly. Breaking Anxiety's Grip is her latest book and your podcast is Hope Prevails, right? Podcast is Your Hope-Filled Perspective. Your Hope-Filled, your Hope-Filled Perspective. Yeah. And on my website within the next couple of days, we will have a free study guide to go along with Breaking Anxiety's Grip because I just really felt like my readers needed someone to hold their hand and say, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's apply. It's one thing to read a book. Mm -hmm. It's thing to apply the principles. So that study guide is going to be available for free. Awesome. Awesome. So free study guide on your website, drmichellebankston.com. And I'll spell that out on the show notes. Grab a friend or two because ladies, I know you are not the only one struggling with this. So don't struggle with it alone. Grab a friend or two. Each of you order the book, download the study guide and do some work. <laughs> do the hard work of really digging into the spiritual root of these issues. And I know you will not regret it. Well, Dr. B, anything you want to leave us with today? Any final thoughts? I just think that the most important thing for your listeners to hear is that they are so loved just like they already are but God loves them too much to leave them where they are that's so good that's so true too right <laughs> I love it I love it well Michelle thank you so much for being on the podcast today we've had some technical difficulties making this happen so that's your little behind the scenes insight I know today's gonna bless a lot of people because of how difficult it was for us to finally get this thing recorded <laughs> so thank you for your time and for sharing from your wealth of knowledge I pray God will continue to bless your ministry Michelle so Thanks again. And that's all for today's episode. I hope to catch you in the next one. Bye-bye.
Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.